Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the DCVC podcast. This is your host, Akash Pat, and each week I bring you angel investors and venture capitalists investing in the diverse tech landscape of India. Well, today is another very special episode here on the podcast because we will be diving a little bit more deeper into the world of deep tech investments and what it is all about. I've got with me Arjun Rao, partner at Speciale Invest, to sit down and explain to us what this space is and how they're spending their time and capital investing in founders building here. Arjun has spent over 15 years in the tech ecosystem. He started his career with Yahoo and later joined iBibo as a product manager. The entrepreneurial bug led him to start his own edtech startup and also a travel tech startup, Travel Yari. He has led product and tech teams and strategy and fundraising at all phases of the startup life cycle and is perhaps very, very well positioned to understand the cycles that a founder goes through. At Travel Yari, he built the company to achieve revenues of $40 million and raised $12 million in seed, Series A and Series B funding. He has a bachelor's degree from NIT Suratkal and an MBA from Indian School of Business. I'm really excited to sit down with my good friend Arjun and explore a little bit more about where he spends all of his day and time investing. So without further ado, join me everybody as we speak to him and explore the world of deep tech investments. Well, hi, Arjun. Welcome to the DCVC podcast. We had you almost exactly a year ago, to this date, in fact, at our summit, where you talked about deep tech and the investments that are related to the space. So it's a pleasure to have you back almost just exactly a year from that point for us to sit down and take a look back at uh, what's been an interesting year for Indian VC, as well as deep tech as a space. Thank you so much, Akash, for having me. And uh, that's amazing that... Uh, the year has flown. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a full year. That was an amazing conversation, right? Uh, with some other uh, investors in the in the deep tech investing space in India. And uh, yes, a lot has happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. Macro, micro, deep tech, non-deep tech. Yeah, there's uh, enough to talk about and more, right? So super excited to be on this. I think this is long coming. And I'm happy it's sort of a one-year touch point since we last spoke. That kind of like sets itself up so well that we can take a look back at the year that was now. Um, and it's kind of been a very interesting journey for both you and the fund on two fronts. One is that you obviously have learned so much looking at um, the space in India and how it's kind of like played out so beautifully from a deep tech perspective. And deep tech is no longer uh, a mystery space for a lot of investors because we, when we talked about it earlier, and I remember prepping for the summit with you as well. The questions really revolved around, you know, what is deep tech? How is the space going to play out in India? What are the challenges? Is there enough sort of like ROI? I don't think those questions are being asked by anybody right now, not from an LP perspective, perhaps maybe from an LP perspective, you'll tell me about this, but not really from an industry standpoint. So there's a whole lot of learning that's taken place over that period. And second, you've also raised another fund from the last time we spoke. So I would love for you to take a look back and recap what those learnings have been from both these points and really share with us what you have uncovered that you perhaps 
you know, didn't really think about it as you were going into the year last year and things that may have also surprised you along the way. I'm not sure. I think uh, both those points are very relevant. Uh, uh, there has been immense learning for me individually and for us uh, as a firm, right? Uh, we are now five years old uh, and uh, that seems like uh, a fair journey, but I know you're building for the long haul, right? So in the larger scheme of things, it is not too much, but in the context that we have come from full deployment cycle of fund one, right? Uh, a complete portfolio set up uh, and of course, still actively engaged with a lot of them and uh, most of them and supporting them growing further, but we're not doing new investments from the first firm, from the first fund. And, uh, you know, having transitioned into uh, raising fund two uh, and started deploying from it, right? There is just immense amount of, uh, first of all, gratitude from our side that we have been able to come so far. Uh, and uh, some of our early uh, leanings and, uh, you know, thesis and uh, uh, have played out reasonably okay, right? And that we, are, we think that we are in the right place at the right time, right? While five years ago, we would have thought, you know, yes, let's do it. We have conviction, but does the broader ecosystem share that conviction with us? Yeah, that was an open question, yeah. right? And a bunch of that has uh, mitigated in our mind, right? Thanks to, of course, the amazing entrepreneurs uh, that we've been able to work with and the progress that they have made, correct? Both in terms of product technology building uh, and then leading to organization building, company building. And the results of that have been follow-on rounds of capital, mm-hmm. right? From different sets and different sources of capital, right? For deep tech, right? So, you know, lots of uh, learnings. Uh, Let me just rewind a little bit and say one of the earliest thought processes when we started Fund One, uh, you know, five years ago was to say definitely India should play a key role in building out cutting edge technology products and businesses, right? It's a matter of time from an evolution perspective, right? Historically, we've seen IT services. Then we saw offshore development centers of product companies that are global product companies set up in India, right? So mm-hmm. saw Yahoo's, Google's of the world came and set up offshore dev centers, right? So yeah. which means there was good quality tech talent here, right? right? But we were building products for the global markets and we were learning from you know business leaders globally as to what to build, as opposed to envisioning what to build ourselves. Right. That was phase two, I would say 2000s. Then 2010s was about building homegrown products, mm-hmm. right? which is the maturity of Flipkarts of the world, mm-hmm. uh, Olas of the world, ATMs of the world, right? A bunch of them have gone public now recently, right? So we built product companies, may not be deep tech product companies, but we built homegrown product companies. That was, I would say, phase three. And therefore, it felt logical that the next step with availability of talent and enough problem statements to solve both in India and globally, right? That deep tech would be the flavor for the next 10 and definitely 20 years, right? right? With that thesis is what we started building Speciale in 2016 end, right? Mm-hmm. And the question was, yes, there were signs of talent. 
yes, there were ideas and yes, there were companies that were getting formed, but the numbers were very small, mm-hmm. right? And that for us as a, as a VC fund early stage was, you know, uh, contributed to deal flow, right? right? Now the question is how much is deal flow, right? Particularly when the rest of the ecosystem, which is a little more mature, right? Be it uh, technology enabled businesses, e-commerce, social commerce, fintech, basic regular SaaS, et cetera, lot more mature. And hundreds and thousands of companies were getting churned out since at least 2015, right? But the question was how many deep tech companies are going to be there, right? Are we going to see enough to build out a decent portfolio? Right. And year on year, since we started the firm, right, our deal flow has improved substantially. Right. Uh, of course, we do see non deep tech as well, just from a funnel perspective. But the deep tech part of the funnel itself has grown substantially over the last five years. Right. I would say, I don't have absolute dated numbers, but we are seeing probably about 4,000 companies a year today. Mm-hmm. Right. As a firm. Right. And if I look at the thumb rule of about anywhere between 20 to 30% of those being relevant to us from a deep tech perspective, right? That starts looking like uh, close to 1,000 companies to even sometimes 1,500, right? A little, let's say 1,000 companies, ballpark, correct? That fall to somewhere in the deep tech gamut, mm. right? Mm-hmm. They're not all, you know, absolutely cutting edge, right? but uh, they do fall in some gamut of deep tech, right? So that is very heartening. And some of these numbers were 10 times lesser, mm. right? And sometimes more uh, when we just started, right? So that is very heartening, right? Uh, second aspect, which you know we are very excited about is what is the quality of these founders, right? Where are they coming from, right? And why, why are they motivated to build these companies, right? Yeah. And I think that is a combination of the ecosystem maturing, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, more and more founders with deep technical backgrounds, mm-hmm. either academic or academic plus, uh, uh, you know, commercial or, you know, uh, enterprise background uh, have problem statements in mind, mm-hmm. right? Uh, either coming, you know, from their university days, from their research days, or in the organization that they worked at, yeah, right? They have problem statements in mind and they are exploring the route to say, okay, this problem statement can be meaningful. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have solutions to it, right? And it can be meaningfully large use cases for these if solved. Right. And therefore, businesses can be built around it, right? So we're not worried whether businesses can be built around these cutting edge problems and solutions. Mm-hmm. And they know that they can venture out of these so-called very structured, sometimes cushy, safe, you know, environments of either uh, enterprises or uh, academia. Mm -hmm. And they can make a meaningful dent in the ecosystem by solving these problems for, you know, end use cases for enterprises or customers. They know that there is some early sources of capital available for this. Mm Right to at least support them to help them try this out for the first couple of years, for example. Yeah. Right, everybody feels the most concerned and most uh, you know risk averse in the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm going to leave a comfortable life, uh, a good job with a great remuneration, 
even though I have a problem in mind and I have a solution in mind, they worry about who will support me in the first couple of years. Right. Can I go out there and not worry about failing and what the outcomes of that failure may be? Mm-hmm. And I think that is improving year on year, right? I think that is, uh, you know, a good thing about the ecosystem that we were among the fewer funds five years ago who were focused on deep tech. Mm-hmm. The number of, and maybe there were five to six of them four to five years ago. I would say there's definitely 15 to 20 of them, if not more today, mm-hmm. right? Uh, of course, not all of them are dedicated deep tech funds, but a lot of them are generic funds with a focus of deep tech also, right? right. right. Okay, right? If somebody has a $500 million fund or a $300 million fund, if they allocate 20% of it towards one deep tech focus, that is meaningful capital coming into the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. So I think quality of founders, correct? Their appetite for risk, their trust in the ecosystem that they will get early supporters, backers, and investors, yeah. right? To try something out, to productize and to create some value out of the core IP and the ideas that they have in their minds mm-hmm. through their many years of experience is, is just increased. And that is, you know, we are we are very bullish about that. Uh, we enjoy these conversations with these founders, right? They come a lot more prepared, mm-hmm. right? Again, preparation was one thing, right? Usually they're very strong in technology. They've, they've not historically been great storytellers, mm-hmm. correct? So I think that is a skill set that people are learning. Entrepreneurs are getting better, right? They understand that the ecosystem needs to be educated, mm-hmm. right? And they cannot assume just like e-commerce or social commerce or fintech, right? The investor automatically understands their language, right? Yeah. domains and the sectors in which they are solving problems, right? So they set context. So they, they're much better at introducing themselves, introducing the domain, innovation, mm. and how to articulate that, right? All of these things makes it super exciting for a fund like ours, yeah. right? To say, wow, we are seeing more deals. We are, the original thesis is sort of playing out. There is mm. a lot of maturity. Of course, we still have a long way to go, right? There's such a, level of maturity compared to four to five years ago that gives us a lot of heart mm. and just helps us wake up every morning and be super excited about all these entrepreneurs that we're meeting and these mega problems that need to be solved. Mm-hmm. Right? And we can pick up pieces of those and sectors of those and sub-segments of those yeah. and in, in meaningful companies. So you've touched upon some really interesting points here and I want to come back to this, but I also want to make sure that we're also touching upon some of the learnings that you've had from the fund side, um, especially the challenges that you perhaps went through the second time around compared to the first time around when you raised the fund. We kind of, we kind of like uh, can uncover some of the subtext here. The subtext being that a lot of LPs today don't need to be pushed and convinced as much as they perhaps might have been in 2016 because the space was a very foreign space to begin with. And for all the reasons that you previously just outlined, things have changed. The narrative around deep tech has changed. And I want to uncover that a little bit more because, you know, deep tech venture is defined by the combination of visionary ambition, fundamental research, and commercial pragmatism. And you touched upon some of this in your answer in one way or the other. They address the most urgent needs and challenges of our time. And 
deliver financial viable outcomes along the way for both the fund as well as for the lps now the looming crisis of let's say for example um you know climate change you know it's kind of been hot topic on everybody's minds right it's inspired yes. a new mix of endeavors right from you know nuclear fission infusion innovations in that space to innovations in battery storage um carbon based materials uh we've looked at hydrogen fuels um you know the, the whole manufacturing process which removes oxygen uh, sorry which removes um carbon dioxide from uh, the atmosphere methods for creating lab grown meat all of this is kind of like come out in the last few years and um, you know if you take another sector for example the housing and income inequality across the world you know we're seeing that yeah. being another challenge and there's a new way of like maybe modular design um innovative buildings and innovative building, building materials that's kind of come out of the space so material design also has gone through a huge um change as a space in the last few years and the challenges of feeding a growing population uh and reducing the risk of agricultural chemicals also has given birth to new subsectors within say for example maybe the agri tech space or um the synthetic microbiome space yeah all of this put together kind of like encompasses this large sector which we today call deep tech right it's not yet clear what deep tech ventures are, which of these sectors are most likely to succeed because they're all fairly new uh, yeah. and which of them will kind of like give greater returns or how rapidly will um, you know the promise of the space will be realized so keeping all of these new innovations that are popping up um, every other day um so to speak how do you look at it from a second fund perspective and how does that whole education process happen with the lps as well because you obviously need lps who get it um you know previously i remember you um all touching upon this in the panel as well deep tech requires patient investors which means you need patient capital and given that these yeah. cases are just playing out it also means you've got to do a whole lot of everyday learning yourselves as the space um kind of evolves from almost scratch yeah fundamentally the research aspect has been there for years but implementation of that research on a commercial basis is kind of playing out over the last few years so let's go through that whole process from even an lp perspective and um, how does that whole education happen and how sure, sure. It, do you raise the second fund compared to the first fund in retrospect no uh, very you know no pertinent question and uh, you know i loved some of the sectors that you alluded to because they are uh, bang in the middle of uh, the thesis that we have for fund 2 and beyond as well okay. right so super excited about so many of these areas which are like you said genuinely going to you know impact the world in a positive way right and the need for them is as urgent as uh you know as it comes right climate change sustainability are key things and they are not just buzzwords they are just not just solutions in the lab we all grapple with it every day mm. and therefore there is a lot more genuine appreciation and a current appreciation for it which translates into these lps also having the same view correct lps also see the pressing problems of today which could be you know urban transportation right which could be uh food security right 
could be, you know, uh, through the two years of COVID and the vaccines, our understanding of how, you know, uh, drugs are made, right? And from there comes, uh, you know, the entire thing of, you know, uh, you know, drug discovery and microbiomes and, uh, you know, synthetic biology, right? There are just so many possibilities. And you realize that these are not science fiction things, right? This cannot wait 10 years for investment, right? Yes, some things will take three years to build. Something will take 10 years to build. Mm -hmm. But everybody realizes that the need is sooner rather than later, right? LPs, a lot of the LPs start to share that view, Mm -hmm. have similar you know, mindset and an outlook to understanding where should their capital be allocated, mm. right? And uh, that has been part of the observation for us from fund one to fund two. Fund one, of course, five years ago, like I said, the Indian venture ecosystem itself was just starting to mature, right? I'm not saying it's mature already, but still very early days, right? All the action of Flipkart and the high exit and the valuations, et cetera, had happened from 10 to 15, Mm-hmm. Correct. And therefore, you know, there was an influx of LPs and they understood that tech is important, right? Tech enabled products and businesses and services are important. So they just wanted to come into that. But did they know the other pockets of the venture ecosystem? Correct. Probably not five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Of course, we were also fortunate or by choice and by chance, our first fund was a very modest, small fund. It's about $10 million. So it's not like we were going out looking for too much capital. Mm-hmm. Right, so I have to convince too many people. That is right. a positive. Having said that, the small set of people that we had to convince, right, really were trusting us, as opposed to necessarily the thesis. Mm. We also the thesis was not deeply baked in because it was still just forming up. We had a view, but it was not fully baked in. So we were telling the story. We were drawing parallels with what had happened in the West, right? Uh, we are big believers in huge fans of Lux Capital, mm-hmm. yes, right, and a few others, right, of course, and Reasons of the World, Osla Ventures, and a few other funds do phenomenal work, and have been doing that for about 20 years in the Silicon Valley ecosystem, right? And we drew some examples from there, right? We talked about the evolution of technology and innovation in India, and that, I think, was suffi- sufficient for us to convince the small set of LPs that supported us wholeheartedly in our first fund, mm-hmm. right? And largely, in hindsight, if I look at it, they trusted us. They trusted two people, right? Vishesh and myself, telling them a story, telling them a narrative, and showing them a future, and that it was possible, correct, to be built out of India, correct? And, you know, we're very, very thankful for that set, because without them, that set of LPs, because without them, we wouldn't be here, right? Uh, Cut to four years later, and this was last year when we started thinking about and raising the second fund, right? Right? Of course... As we would, our first instinct was to go back to our existing LPs, right? And what did we have from 2016, 17 to 2021? Mm-hmm. We had uh, some progress to show them, some data to show them, a portfolio to showcase, right? right? Uh, a story to explain to them how we went about doing those things. Yeah. How did we find these 18 companies in our first portfolio? Yeah. Where did we source them? What were the type of conversations we had with these founders? So we had a lot more depth to our story this yeah. time around than four years earlier, mm-hmm. right? And we could articulate a lot more. And of course, we had made some mistakes also, 
mm. correct? Some of those investments, right? Struggling through some various, various stages, correct? How did they raise follow-on capital? How much struggles of raising follow-on capital? What milestones did they hit? What milestones did they not hit? Yeah. That did we, you know, factor the right risks or did we learn about some risks along the way? Right? These are all learnings, right? Yeah. And along the way, we were, you know, we were articulating those and codifying some of these, mm. right? So four years later, I think we were a lot more prepared. Of course, we went to the people who trusted us first time around as the first uh, port of uh, call. Uh, and uh, they were the first ones to back us again for the second fund, mm -hmm. right? And of course, given that the ecosystem had started maturing, a bunch of our portfolio companies had raised follow-on capital and had been in the news, right? And classically, you know, visible success is very important for the ecosystem, right? Which means to see progress. To say somebody, we took a bet four years ago on one company or two companies, and then three years ago on another Four companies, right? Where are they today? And mm -hmm. wow, based fall on capital. Oh, they have tested their technology and it has come through in flying colors. Oh, they have got LOIs and you know uh, orders in place already. Correct. And all of these things, and you know, we learned how to storytell better. The founders learned how to storytell better, right? We to be honest, one of the learnings was we needed to tell the story more often and more clearly to everybody. Right, the ecosystem needs to know. You can't keep innovating inside your own four four walls and your four quarters and expect that the world, you know, one fine day will you know appreciate what you do. Correct. So PR as a strategy, right? Uh, how how do you do outreach? How do you do uh, you know knowledge sharing with the broader ecosystem? Yeah. Writing regular newsletters, right? All of these things we did for outreach and just to set ourselves as a firm and our portfolio companies as thought leaders, right? And the more people read about it, mm. right? More people were aware it was part of their minds space, mm. right? When we went and spoke to them, newer LPs, for example, that we were introduced to or they reached out to us, they had some context already, mm. right? And that context was very valuable, right? We did not have to start from zero. Yeah. We did not have to explain to them, first of all, the venture asset clause. Mm. Then on top of it, the importance of the deep tech asset class within venture, right? Mm. They already came with some fundamental understanding. Of course, we had to build and embellish on top of it, correct? By telling them what is the value of space technology? What was our thesis for space technology, right? So we were sort of the one of the earlier ones in the country to get into space technology. We ended up doing four companies from the first fund in space tech. I don't think there's a fund in the country that has done that. We kind of you know wear that as a badge of honor. And of course, we've learned good and bad things through those. Correct? Mm -hmm. We're able to walk them through a three to four year journey of initial thought process around space tech, then the double clicking of that aspect, and then the results of it. Right. Correct? And when you tell that narrative, people you know relate to it. Correct? And that relatability was an important factor when we went out to raise capital. The other aspect that we uh, learned, and of course we were aspiring to raise a slightly larger fund, right? Uh, having you know got some early success from the first fund, right? We wanted to ramp up, right? Because we were also working under immense constraints in the first fund, right? Yeah. Having ten million dollars, right? For example, the best companies that were coming out as they were getting to the next stages, we were constrained with. We really liked them. We knew what they were doing. Uh, we saw that they were making progress and the upside was amazing, but we didn't always have 
deep pockets capital to double down. down in follow on capital yeah correct so we wanted to solve that problem right both for the entrepreneur and for ourselves right for the entrepreneur because follow on capital wasn't easy to come by right therefore if we had deeper pockets whenever we had conviction we have conviction it's easier for us to commit and help the founder out and set be the first person to commit and then other people will follow this conviction and hopefully more investors will come through right, right. so there's the value for the founder and of course for us we are able to maintain our ownership and double down on the winners as they pan out yeah. right particularly since you have taken the big risk at the very early stage right, right. so right from the winners part needing more capital was a requirement of ours right and that uh, you know was another part of the strategy that we were able to articulate to both old existing and new lps mm. to them the need for slightly larger fund right and the ethos of it right mm. one way is to raise a larger fund and go up the value chain right which is instead of doing pre seed seed which is our dna we could start doing pre series a and series a Right? right but in our mind we were very clear that, that is not where our sweet spot lies mm. right in our mind we were very clear that our value add and our dna and our firm mindset right not only from the partners from the rest of the organizations the analysts associates is in the zero to one journey yeah he is when people have ideas and they want that absolute first capital mm. to execute on those ideas and take them to some level of validation mm. right we were very clear we were not going up the value chain in terms of investing larger dollars up front yeah right still wanted to do pre seed seed then people will say when that when the initial check is the same which is about half a million dollars for us mm-hmm. right and the number of portfolio companies which is a concentrated portfolio strategy for us is not going to change too much it's still going to be about 20 25 companies then why do you need so much capital right the answer is that when the good companies out of this first set Good right get to the next level we ha- need to have the dollars we need to have the cushion to be able to support them yeah. right that again was part of the narrative what that lps understood mm. right they were able to respond to they said yes that makes sense so you know you know most right so we have i think 95% of our uh, lps from the first fund have come back into the second fund which is a great vote of support not only that almost all of them have increased allocations by anywhere between 3 to 5x mm. right in the second fund right so their trust in us they trust in the process and the trust in the deep tech you know uh, story is just mm. very very strong right and we're very thankful for them both those things that them coming back and them putting more dollars than they ever put in the first fund right. much more dollars and by multiples and of course the newer set of lps also coming in and uh, you know uh, giving us substantial support correct uh, was the was a very interesting journey and learning and in hindsight you know we're very thankful right we're we've not yet closed the fund but uh, in all probability we should be very close to about uh, 40 million dollars by the time we wrap up which is end of this quarter right that's almost you know actually it's almost 4x plus the first fund right close to 5x the first fund yeah. right and you know that has you know gone past you know our wildest imaginations in what we ever thought where we would be so very very thankful of course for the co-founders and founders that are building the company that we are showcasing and uh, the lps who are supporting us right that's been very very exciting now i want to ask you this question which 
maybe you have thought about in some way or form or shape in the past. So when you set out, you guys were perhaps the very, very first deep tech focus funds in India, like out and out. So was there also pressure that you put on yourselves as well as the industry putting on you? Because now say some of the investments hadn't played out well and you hadn't received the, the growth and the return on investment that you perhaps have today, the, the onus kind of then becomes, or the, the narrative then kind of becomes that, hey, there's a fund that was purely deep tech focused, did not do well. And the LPs then start feeling that this is not something that they might, you know, want to take a bet on, especially the conservative ones. Or was it always when you started off with the conviction so strong that you felt that, you know what, we feel we can actually, you know, go out here and make a name for ourselves. So at some point there might've been that little bit of doubt as well. Right. So did that cross your mind all along the way? No, uh, uh, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, uh, the conviction doesn't get tested along. Mm. Uh, It, it has gotten tested, right. Uh, You know, I'm very thankful that uh, my partner and I have, you know, a long history with each other, mm. right? And we spend a lot of time before starting the fund, as well as, of course, in the early days and throughout. And to this day, continue to just question each other or just our thoughts and beliefs and just brainstorm as much as possible. Mm. And it's not questioning to, you know, point flaws, but questioning to challenge each other and right. challenge ourselves in terms of, what did we think in the past? What assumptions did we make, right? And what has transpired, right? What has gone to plan? What has gone not gone to plan? And what can we learn from it? And what can we adapt, right? So that, you know, very strong, you know, uh, GP relationship, right, is, uh, is a bonus because when uh, thesis gets challenged or when there are doubts in place, and doubts are, to be honest, mostly about the environment, there is because there is so much opportunity today, mm. right? In, in general, there's innovation in, in crypto. There is innovation in fintech. There is innovation in the social commerce, right? Opportunities abound, and yeah. so many start smart founders, right? And we are saying no to so many things because it's not part of thesis. Yeah. Right? So the challenge and the test comes from you know we're saying no no to so many things. Right? Are we, you know, are we missing something? Mm-hmm. Should we to our guns and play the patient game? Right? Yeah. What helps is two of us having that strong conversation, mm-hmm. right? And talking to each other and understanding and actually drawing energy from the success stories that are within the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And act as closely as possible working with founders. Yeah. Right? Because the founders, nobody has more conviction than the founders. Right. Even if we put the first check, even if we're the only investor, nobody has more conviction in that business and that product and that technology than the founders. Right. right? So for us, the more time we spend with the founders, that conviction rubs off on us. On right. If we have our doubts, we go to talk to the founder. Yeah. And the founder, and we're not asking the founder to pick us up, but the founder is always bullish. The founder is saying what exciting things are happening. What is the plan? What is the execution? The team is burning the midnight oil, mm. right? Then we get out of that meeting. We say, wow, look at that. That mm. is amazing. That is what we 
started out wanting to build this for right for that energy for that conviction then when we come out of that meeting say why were we even doubting this mm. right so yes uh, there are doubts there are questions because there are many opportunities that are not detected in the ecosystem which sometimes seem like easier ways to return capital and make multiples right yeah. but you have to go back to the fundamental reason why we started the firm why our belief was not to do what is already been done and what a lot of other people are already doing right. no disrespect to them obviously they are good at that and they are massive opportunity. but we wanted to carve a niche we wanted to set ourselves aside and mm. we had the system to say not just 5 to 10 years but 20 years this future is bound to happen yeah. right so what kept us going along the way the other thing is also to draw inspiration and learnings from again our counterparts in the west right i think if i remember right lux capital's first fund was a 10 million dollar fund mm. in 2000 right they manage more than a billion dollars today right right i think the latest fund that they raised was a billion dollars so effectively there must be a few billion dollars or something like that right and if you listen to the founders of lux and many others similar ones we heard that early years were a struggle it was yeah. never easy everybody did not believe yeah right and it was not the easiest path to take right but they stuck at it right they worked with founders they found early successes some of them took time right results probably came 7 to 8 years late right some of the big winners right uh, either going public or large acquisitions right uh, and you know they were patient through it and they stuck to their guns so we can listen to those stories right and in today's era we are all lucky and fortunate that you know there is twitter there are podcasts there are series we are able to listen to their 20 year journey right right and that's an inspiration that's amazing to listen to and say wow what they've done there we can replicate that in our small little way mm. and it's not about replicating the billion dollar fund but it is about sticking through the journey of 20 years yeah. so i think those things uh, along the way right and if you look at our uh, whatsapp and slack groups within the organization there's a lot of sharing of such content right yeah. not just to you know learn but to sort of prop each other up right yeah as, each other, push each other to think differently exactly and not, like not just the partners but also share the same energy Yeah. with younger team members right yeah. who are starting their careers in this ecosystem right yeah. the analysts associates you know they are 15 years younger than us right so they inherently have more energy than us right, right? and they are telling us newer newer things newer areas of innovation newer uh, cutting edge stuff so you know so we we share a lot of this internally and all of those i think have helped us now you also made a fantastic point in the past um where you spoke about the importance of having the right people to back you from an lp perspective and i'm seeing a very interesting trend that kind of plays out or playing out within the deep tech space the fact that there's somehow being there is an overlap between deep tech and the sdgs that the un has set forth in one way or the other and that's an interesting narrative because when people talk about deep tech nobody really talks about sdgs or nobody really connects the dots with impact in one way or the other even though the underlying context is you know most of these um companies are um looking to solve long term uh challenges typically when you talk about from a global perspective 
LPs may include your sound wealth funds, family offices, which kind of like tend to invest in established funds with solid reputations. Now, there are conservative. They, they, there are conservative choices supported by comfortable network of fund managers with many relationships developed over, you know, so many years. Now, this trend is reinforced by the the buyout fund size as well. You know, which has typically like just grown, um, you know, threefold from you know 2020 to 2018 to 2020 itself. Just three years, you can see all of those um, numbers playing out. Despite these structural obstacles for like a deep tech fund in general, some LPs may be drawn to deep tech on a broader scale. Now we talked about uh, strategic objectives. We talked about um, impact. You know, environment and societal challenges could be one of those things that are kind of uh, um, motivating them to take a bet in uh, a deep tech fund. Family offices kind of always have challenged. um you know the traditional norms and have been proven champions of patient capital often investing yes. in like 10 15 20 25 five year old year cycles in fact when we take a look at it um historically speaking now just if you were to draw you perhaps don't have to like reveal who some of these names are but if you were to to draw personas of some of these um lps within the indian context yeah who would they be and um how how do you like eventually bump into them you did talk to us about how existing lps may have made some introductions or you had a lot of um, inbound requests but how does it typically play out yeah no i think a uh, great question and uh, sort of on point in terms of what these personas look like right uh, india is still big on family offices right as a source of capital for this asset class in general right uh, we don't have the luxury of having the mega fund of funds and the endowments that the west has right uh, and therefore we rely on family offices that have created wealth over decades right right through building long term businesses right long term large sustainable businesses right and they are like you rightly put it they are the pioneers they are the front runners who are open to you know pushing the boundaries of within the venture asset class of trying things that are harder mm-hmm. of investing in things that take longer correct but and also have a strong impact on the entire ecosystem right and i think the one of the main reasons for that but i would i would point out two reasons right one is how they created wealth was not very different right one aspect one tra- uh, personality trait of theirs that helped them create wealth over decades was patience mm-hmm. right that comes very naturally to them they they are not overnight successes they did not you know become a billionaire or a unicorn or any such thing a public listed company in 10 years right or even if that happened at 10 15 right uh, so they built it over 2 3 4 5 decades correct and it is also generational right so patience comes very naturally to them right so when we go and tell them a story that requires patience a narrative that requires patience it does not you know conflict with their mindset and their thought process of how capital is allocated and how capital is multiplied and returned right so patience is number one number two as they have also built really large businesses right and they've lot of these businesses are publicly listed 
right? And even if they're private businesses, if they're not publicly listed, they're very, very large, which means they employ a lot of people, which means they're, you know, responsible, responsibility towards their entire social ecosystem, right? Tens of thousands of employees, their livelihood, the cities in which they operate, right? The towns in which they operate, maybe they run factories, right? In general, over the years, they have had to think about solving social, economic, and other related problems that challenge their core business or that, you know, come in and around their core business, right? So over decades, they've been thinking about, you know, solving problems like this and running their business and building their business in a sustainable, ethical, and developmental fashion. Correct. We have many, many examples. We have the Infosys Foundations. We have the Pros of the World, Cognizance of the World. We have the Tatas. Right? All of these are examples of, you know, their impact went well beyond just their commercial interests as organizations, right? And, and those business leaders and therefore those family offices, right? For them, it comes naturally to when they allocate capital to newer asset classes, they always ask about impact on this, right? They are commercial first, yes, right? But they want to make sure that commerce and the capital create and the wealth creation is not in conflict with, you know, uh, good for the world, right? Sustainability for the world, right? And in various ways, therefore, that narrative is a very strong narrative when we go and pitch to, uh, you know, uh, family offices in the Indian context, right? Of course, we've also started reaching out to fund of funds and certain newer institutional sources of capital, right? Which are more structured, right? Which take a longer period of time, correct? And in their case, the overall construct of where, how and where they deploy capital is a little more, you know, fundamentally, structurally and mathematically driven, correct? They allocate 20% for this, 30% for a certain asset class. Within a certain asset class, they will say, Minimum 35, 40% has to go towards, you know, SDG, ESG, correct sort of a businesses, right? And they have that entire diversification strategy, which is a little more fundamentally finance oriented, right? So those are institutions, but family offices, like you rightly said, have been our, our go-to sources, right? And uh, these are people that have built generational wealth, have built generational businesses and have built it in a very sustainable socially efficient fashion, uh, socially responsible fashion, and patience comes naturally to that. All of those ingredients are sort of reflected in the kind of companies that we want to invest in. And yeah. we are investing in as a fund. Therefore, they kind of resonate automatically. Hopefully that answers you know, what you were looking for. It definitely does. Um, and you, 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 you touched upon quite a few points in both that segment as well as in the overall, since we began having this conversation, that it is really important for everybody who is part of this ecosystem, I'm talking about the deep tech space, to one, understand that, you know, you're learning along the way. It's not as easy to um, get things straight up front especially as it's playing out. It's perhaps playing out much more rapidly and evolving faster than some of the other traditional sectors. Um, it's, it's 
it's not a formal based industry although the evolution and the challenges and the opportunities that it's kind of presenting kind of makes it feel like there's a lot happening in this space and there's also overlap with as we spoke about with impact sectors which kind of have a long term sort of um, in effect on the ecosystem at large now we need a lot of players within the ecosystem who can like get that narrative to begin with now when we are talking say largely from you know the the technology perspective and um, you know where the opportunities lie within within the indian context right now when i previously touched upon climate change spoke about some challenges with respect to income inequality um housing for that matter material science you talked about being a you know pioneer investor in space tech in india where are you looking at the opportunities play out you know we kind of like looked at it backwards and we spoke about certain sectors that have done well now if you are putting on your investor hat today and you're thinking about how how deep tech in india is going to play out say 5 10 years from now what really gives you a lot of um conviction and what kind of like keep you up at night as well when you're looking at some of these founders come to you and talk about challenges and talk about solving for these challenges which are ambitious which are you know larger than life in in some cases and yeah. kind of like then pushes you to think hey are we the right bet are we are we in the right situation to take a bet right now or um are you also still saying we still don't get some of these because they're so new they're so nascent they're so niche that we need to first understand ourselves before taking um a call here i do know that you come at the pc stage so i guess on a whole lot cannot be talked about the market but it's it's the conviction that the founders bring to the table it's the knowledge of the execution vision that they have but even within certain sectors that haven't played out maybe globally it's kind of like played out because the market is so different and evolved in yeah. certain um, you know international markets but in india perhaps not um, like a good example of that is um, you know you can take alternate foods right alternate proteins yeah. you know yeah. it's a great space research is being done there's a, um, a little bit of funding that's gone into the space as well but in terms of mass adoption and commercial uh, production of this it's going to take a while before that actually picks up uh, but we can obviously be um, backing companies that are then exporting this globally to other markets because yes. india then becomes like a great test bed to try this out because from a capital perspective perhaps it's slightly more efficient than setting up all the production in say for example the united states or even um, japan for that matter so that's just an example that i kind of like threw out there but what's kind of like keeping you excited taking a 5 to 10 year look at the the indian market itself from a deep tech lens sure sure no i think super interesting question and so much to ponder upon right to be honest right and uh, i'll i'll first set context with a couple of points right before diving into specifics of what we are excited by and what we hopefully should be investing in in the coming years some of it has already started to happen right one uh, again one of the learnings uh, as we have evolved as a firm very early is you know like you said research is super important for us as a firm correct knowledge building as a firm is really right up there as a firm priority right uh, and therefore you know we are really doubling down on time and effort that we spend as an organization every team member right to go and look at as many sectors as possible as many emerging technological trends as possible correct there's sort of a mandate for 
every analyst and associate within the organization to at least double click on two key sectors annually if not 3 to 4 mm. right list of 3 to 4 or double click and form sort of an early thesis on two technical sectors right and we currently have a team of about six analysts and associates so if you think about that cumulatively them and the two of us partners put together that's about two per head can end up being about 16 areas and they can be as broad as they come and then we can keep narrowing down as we learn more right nice. so first point to make research is super important for us as a firm right building knowledge bases and gearing ourselves up so that when the founder comes we are more prepared we are more ready and we are more aware to ask the right questions and to evaluate it better as opposed to feel wow this i'm in no man's land and i have to figure it out now right yeah. first step is that second thing which continues to stay the same from the first fund to the second fund is we leave a lot to serendipity even if i do 10 sectors 15 sectors 20 sectors there will be 10 other things 20 other things that i have not touched i have not spent time on and a founder one fine day comes along and tells us a fantastic story mm. we, as people with our curiosity and as a firm we have to be ready to embrace serendipity right and it's a bottom up thing and then when that happens to us we have to have an ability to double click quickly learn understand it from a first principles basis and quickly form a philosophy around it of course quickly does not mean a week or two weeks in you know which happens in many other domains in vc right deals close in two weeks luckily in deep tech we have the luxury of spending time but it still means in three months right in two to three months we got to form a thesis around something new brand new that comes to us right so part 2 is being open and embracing serendipity and then being agile and nimble enough correct to learn this new domain and this sector and this new technology and ramp up as quickly as possible right and then you know decide and hopefully take bets right these are this is a philosophy that we come with now what does that mean in terms of what are the areas that we are excited about that we have charted out and of course not all baked in some baked in that we are super excited spending time right uh climate tech has become a more important thesis from fund to perspective right and you spoke about it we're all realizing climate tech sustainability etc uh has many flavors right so many things come under it right there's of course air quality right there is water as a renewable source right there is energy in various forms which means there is ev different battery chemistries there is solar as a source of energy there is wind as a source of energy so many sources of energy it means hydrogen we spoke about right so many sources of energy we need storage right so we need technolo- technology that able to store all of these for longer periods of time with higher density depending on what use case we are solving correct so storage as a solution becomes more and more important so that is there on the energy side of course that can manifest in many ways you can do just batteries cell chemistries you can do full stack vehicles right which we have done right we can do ground mobility we can do aerial mobility mm-hmm. right we can do drones right for commercial use cases for sustainable use cases like uh you know like uh, medicine delivery or emergency use cases right all of this is deep tech right and there are energy use cases that are designed okay then you mentioned something else which comes under sustainability which is food 
correct the whole world is grappling with the current way of you know how we gather food right and uh, the entire value chain uh, and the ecosystem is not sustainable correct of uh, how much meat we eat uh, it is sourced from and how much energy actually goes into creating that meat right that we all consume right and the answer is not stopping eating meat but the answer is finding alternatives to it that come from a source that is a lot more sustainable right from an energy perspective but does not compromise on the taste right so we do look at alternative foods alternative proteins right and i think india is a large market you are right are we nascent today the answer is yes is it still you know at a phase where it is for the urban elite right and probably a smaller percentage of those to begin with the answer is yes but is the problem large enough india is a protein deficient country so we need alternative forms of creating protein right so we we know there is a market out there what are the challenges the challenges are price parity can it be affordable when we create plant based meat is it affordable for the masses correct second what is the challenge is it adaptable to the kind of palate that we have in india different types of food and cuisines and how we cook it right or is it only ready for steaks and meats and burgers as opposed to making our curries and you know biryanis right and somebody has to innovate the product side and the ip side to solve this problem and of course the you know price parity has to be achieved so these are problems and we have to take a view to say is this a 15 year problem when price parity and certain market penetration can happen or is it a 5 to 8 year problem if we believe it is a sub 10 year problem i think as a vc fund we can definitely tackle it and take it on yeah we don't worry about 3 years right as long as there's the right entrepreneur with the right mindset and solving for the right problem correct right? it's not a problem right, right? We can take those bets particularly being pre-seed seed right because evolution of the company will take 4 6 8 years and of course we want the market to adapt as early as possible but it's okay if it doesn't happen in 2 years right right so that short term thinking is not there and should not be there right so these are the areas right uh, even a flavor of uh, space tech has a flavor of sustainability and climate tech right mm-hmm. you look at all the satellite earth observation and imagery companies that are doing what are they doing right they are observing you know uh, they are tracking logistics right and making them more efficient which means you can save energy right they are looking at agri tech like you mentioned very closely identifying how crops are growing correct right? and understanding if they are growing at the right pace which means you can bring predictability into supply chain and how much crops are growing at what pace right uh, they are observing areas of disaster and climate where you know a disaster is there so that help can be reached much faster correct right? what is the pace of you know coastlines decreasing correct right? with satellite imagery can you solve for can you identify only can you if you can identify a problem by measuring a problem can you solve it? Right. right. So, tech from an Earth observation perspective, pretty much satellites do only two things: either communication or Earth observation. Right. And Earth observation has a large impact on sustainability and climate uh, tech. Right. right. So that also comes into play. Of course, we are all talking about hydrogen and carbon capture and 
uh, all of those, uh, we are looking at those sectors as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So very, very exciting. I think climate tech is a strong thesis for us. We did something in water actually in the fag end of our first fund itself, right? Because water is such a big problem all across the world. Right. Droughts happening in various places. Urban, you know, groundwater levels are depleting very fast, right? Both for you know, uh, you know, consumer uh, consumption as well as for industrial consumption, right? In different use cases. So we have to solve these problems. And again, there are challenges of price parity, right? Of having the purest form of water. So we've invested in a company that creates water from air by capturing the humidity in the air and mm. converting that into precipitation and then purifying it and converting it to pure water for consumption for different use cases, right? Just an example of, and, and I live in Bangalore, right? And I know being a long-term Bangalorean, you know, the groundwater levels have been depleting, yeah. you know, year on year. And we all live by, under the, you know, stronghold of the water mafia in these in these, not just Bangalore, but many, you know, urban centers in India and many parts of the world, right? These problems are not very different in Africa or in Southeast Asia, some parts, and maybe in South America, right? Not to mention in, you know, the part of the world, the most affluent part of the world that you live in, there are droughts in California, yeah. right? Lead to forest fires, right? Also contributing to, you know, the ecological balance, right? And there are solutions for these, yeah. right? There are various solutions for these, right? So we are very excited about climate tech as an umbrella. It's very hard to kind of define it in a very, uh, you know, ring-fenced fashion, but there are so many domains that intersect with each other who that can be, that can come under climate tech broadly, climate and sustainability tech, if I may call it that, mm -hmm. right? And we are very excited about solving those within deep tech. These are some very interesting sectors that you touched upon and um, it kind of like also matches some global narratives. You just pointed out yeah. very clearly climate, I mean, climate change and climate tech is top of mind for every investor today. No matter what kind of an investor you are, deep tech, generalist, you are keeping an Absolutely. eye out for something that can have an impact. And if they, you have an opportunity to invest in something that has a global impact, of course, you want to be part of that. Not just because there's mass commercial usage, but there's also, there's a, a good element of, um, you know, there's, there's goodness associated with that kind of an impact that you're able to bring at scale. Now, Absolutely. one thing that you touched upon um, a while ago was how your investments have grown, even from the first fund to like where you are right now, right? Now, in that context, you need a couple of things for the portfolio companies to do, to continue to do well. You talked about the challenges of, you know, not having the capital to double down on some of your investments. As your companies also scale, you will require the larger funds to come in and support their growth. And growth could mean capital. Growth could come in the form of opening doors in in multiple um, shapes and forms. And sometimes that means having domestic capital, which fortunately, you know, there's a lot more being. Uh, recycled within the ecosystem. So I'm optimistic that there will be larger deep tech funds that will support that growth. But to rely on a very old narrative, um, you would need the bigger funds from a global perspective to also play a huge role in our ecosystem to help deep tech as a space evolve. Now, from your experience and what you've been looking 
around around you has that interest started to peak from foreign investors or even the later stage investors within india who are now able to like look at what's happened and then say you know what this is great growth uh, a lot of good companies have have come out in the deep tech space and we want to be um supporting their um their journey as they continue to raise you know the the bs cs ds gs and all the way along to yeah. hopefully exits and i'll also add a um another question here uh, because we'll we'll kind of take a look at it from two perspectives one you obviously need these later stage investors to support that growth but what you also need is our early stage investors and by that i don't i don't mean the funds but i also mean angel investors and something that doesn't get talked about enough and we talk about vc is the role that angel investors play in the ecosystem is that they bring that initial capital that support um and sometimes some of the angel investors are much more helpful than traditional funds when it comes to just helping open doors and just being that 2am 3am friend and yeah. um, you know providing that quick somebody quick on whatsapp and just you asking something as simple as hey would you be able to like put me touch or hey i i'm just stuck um what do you think about this and somebody actually texts you back quickly that that's pretty helpful so there's a huge yeah. role that angels also play within the ecosystem but from your vantage point where do you see angels fitting to fitting into this context um within the deep tech space because you also sure. have certain um level of understanding to actually take up but it's not like one of those e-commerce sectors or fast commerce where you're like you know what mm, let's say i'm i'm happy to lose a little bit money here but you require a lot more understanding of space yourself before you actually uh put in some money against it so how are you saying these conversations play out on either end of the spectrum that you operate in all right no i think both interesting ends of the spectrum the mega funds right be it global mega funds us based coming to india or indian uh, mega funds themselves right on on one end of the spectrum and on the other end of the spectrum is the early stage capital which is just that first check and that friend to rely on which is the angel right uh, i have to say that you know there is a lot more on the angel side right uh, and i am uh, you know i am more uh, enthused and happy about how many individuals and angels right and therefore access to early capital and advice and like you said you know access to people who can open doors and just make connections and help young and or, or early founders out right that part i have seen more and more happening is just multiply first of all of course the number of angels in general in the ecosystem has multiplied dramatically right although i agree that uh, you know it needs a nuanced eye and a mindset and a understanding to do deep tech but uh, there are more and more angels that are doing it right so right. super excited we are always happy to collaborate even as a firm when we put in the first check we are happy to collaborate with a bunch of these angels ask them to come on board as angels into the same round correct so that they are value additive and we you know we are not the only ones that the founders are relying on right for help Right, we'll do whatever we can, right? Uh, but uh, there are five other, you know, cheerleaders, well-wishers, and ecosystem people that are helpful. Right? The other thing about the best angels that I've observed is, even though they've been in the ecosystem long enough, right, and they have been investing in the regular stuff historically and seen a lot of success there, for example, right, and therefore they have seen how these companies have gone on their 
those other companies have gone on to raise larger pools of capital correct they are good advisors to uh, the entrepreneurs also about what the really mega funds care about right how the mega funds evaluate deals right and sometimes it is great for an entrepreneur to get that from a you know third party angel sort of a thing right as opposed to their primary vc investor correct uh, and if they hear it from an angel who's let's assume done 50 to 100 5 to 10 years 5 years plus right and has let's say 5 to 10 unicorns in their portfolio right and is engaged with axel sequoia lightspeed etc of the world maybe tigers softbanks of the world through their broader portfolio right and they you know spend half an hour or one hour with the founder the deep tech founder and tell them how to think bigger mm. how to think bolder how to think more ambitious right and therefore translate that story right uh, and not uh, be tell conservative stories if i may say so yeah. some of the guys because they're doing it for the first time and there is no precedent right yeah. they might be a little more conservative in their story then correct uh, of how big the opportunity is right so they get really good feedback from me so i'm very very excited about angels we work with a lot of them right they're on the cap table along with us on a lot of our portfolio companies we always encourage our portfolio founders to find more of them right find the friendly faces find the people who spread the word right and find the people that you can learn from right mm. so really very enthused about that then coming to the other end of the spectrum uh, large funds global or domestic right what has been their uptake uh, i would love to see a lot honestly right i'm not saying it is nothing is a lot better than few years ago right there have been examples of uh, the funds that are 200 300 500 million dollar funds and above in india right that have taken the odd bet right either in in deep tech sectors such as robotics even couple in space technology right some have started to do something in alternative proteins right but i would if you look at their portfolios you will find them to be i would say 10% or less right from a distribution perspective right of how much time energy and then capital have they allocated right usually right? time and energy is the leading indicator yeah they have to spend time energy so they have to build thesis right because they do run large firms and we do need to understand that they do need, need to deploy not 3 5 7 10 million dollars they do need to have a view to deploy 20 30 50 75 million 100 million dollars mm. course of two three rounds so they need conviction they need deep understanding of larger market and not just a great product and a great team and you know a sexy opportunity right those are good starting points correct right? but i do understand where they come from and we've had a lot of discussions with a lot of these large firms we've also you know been in the position where we've been able to pitch them our portfolio companies and in some cases educate them about you know the sectors that we have spent time on right and we've heard the feedback that they need to build thesis and it takes time for them to build thesis because they honestly have already a lot on their plate right where thesis is already built yeah. right example i remember somebody one of the large funds in one name who mentioned that the way they think about it is they have every partner spends 90% of the time on areas that already have a thesis on and deploy capital towards that they only have 10% to form new thesis right and do something 
out of the ordinary and do something different and try something new right that's the ratio that they are working with right because they've raised again capital from sources that they are responsible for they have to deploy capital right and therefore somewhere their mind space and the energy and the time they spent is in the 10% range for this emerging sector right mm-hmm. it's sort of a chicken and egg thing until the first big unicorn comes out of deep tech i think that will stay the way it is yeah. right when that happens i think the floodgates will open and i think we may have spoken the same thing about a year ago yeah right? they are paying attention they are listening they are starting to learn right they have you know maybe just started to wet their feet with a deal here a deal there right but to build a strong thesis and for them let's say to deploy 20% of their large funds into such sectors i think uh, i'm hopeful that in the next 5 years that will happen yeah but uh, you know uh, you know let's see what happens right so i think in the interim until that is happening we still have to plug the gap by alternative sources of capital mm. by creative about where you get your series a right right and you have to pool in capital right different set of believers combination of maybe a large fund will put a small check because they don't have full conviction but they want to wet their feet right right good way of getting them in right say so okay don't give me 20 million dollars but there's a 10 million dollar round happening you do you want to put in 2 to 4 million dollars right that's not too much of a risk for them and they that's well within their appetite of trying something new right and that's a good brand that comes on board right so get a little bit of capital from them we yeah. double down with our previous you know conviction and we double down with follow on capital we get in other ecosystem players micro funds couple of family offices and we fill in the rest of the four million right yeah. that's a way of kind of getting a good company that's gotten to some place but needs 8 to 10 million dollars right and it's not easy for a very large fund yet today to say here is a lead check and i'm going to write you a 10 million dollar check right so we got creative both founders as well as early investors in this category to figure out how we can bridge this gap and how you can get to a stage where finally you are so close to commercialization or you are commercialized right that then yeah, the large funds cannot ignore you i agree with right? you yeah. the early technical risk etc and pre commercialization risk has been solved for and they are ready and they see the market and they spend the time educating themselves and others have also done that yeah. they're saying oh now i'm ready i can directly maybe put in a 25 million dollar check in this company right yeah. so it's a solution right uh, uh, can they can can it be better the answer is yes has it also incrementally gotten better over the last 5 years yes so i think we have to take the good and keep working on it and uh, be more hopeful for the future right mm-hmm. uh, i don't anything has gone in the reverse direction right far from absolutely um, right place right uh, we just have to be a little more patient <laughs> that's yeah. the no i mean you've hit the nail on the head and the fund themselves should develop a narrative both for themselves as well as for the space if especially if they're trying to like double down or even you know wet their feet um in one way or the other now it in my in opinion in this case just to add sorry just huh. to add say in this case fomo is not a bad thing right. right yeah right it's a good thing to get you know one two three in each of these sub deep tech sectors one or two outliers coming out absolutely right? yeah and when that happens you know fomo will be generated right and then you know suddenly there will be uh you know more supply 
than just the demand that is there, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we're on the cusp of some FOMO creation, yeah. right? And it's a matter of time that some of the larger funds really, you know, uh, open their purse strings and give, uh, come into this uh, with a lot more conviction and, uh, you know, dollars. I, I kind of compare the way deep tech has kind of played out um, to crypto, you know, in terms of the narrative. The only reason crypto has also kind of like gotten like all this attention is because kind of he seems very sexy. Unfortunately, deep tech has kind of always gathered that research, R&D sort of narratives in the past. And therefore, it's kind of become very unsexy or very technical. And tech, when things become too technical, people kind of like take a back step like, oh, maybe this is not for me kind of thing. And I think that narrative kind of like changes around that. And it's one or two messaging, right? You got to get the messaging on just two things Absolutely. in my opinion you know the risk Absolutely. is high. I think storytelling is very important the art of storytelling for everybody by the way yeah. right Only for the founders but yeah. after that we are the first believers right we better get good at telling the story that we invested in right and translating and telling the big picture telling the real big opportunity yeah. better we the better we translate it on behalf of the founders and then yeah. the founders absolutely go into the depths of doing that right absolutely yeah. i think narrative setting storytelling and being more out there, right? right? Being more visible to the world and not being in a cocoon is very important, right? We are blessed in today's environment that we have, you know, the newer generation has role models such as Elon Musk, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, uh, right? And that shows the power of storytelling. He shows the power of storytelling. He shows the power of deep tech, right? Yeah. We've got to figure out how to simplify the story. We've got to tell, figure, learn the way of Telling why it is valuable for business, for for ecosystems, for humanity, right. right? And how big can it be, right? And I think if as we keep getting better at that, more and more people will sit up, take notice, and they not only will pay attention but will come through with their dollars. Right. That's the deal, right? Put your money where your mouth is, right? Uh, uh, I think we're getting better. Right, the Indian ecosystem historically, in general, right, not the best storytellers. We're better at created product, technology, innovation, storytelling as an art and as a skill. We are just getting better, yeah. right? Learning that it is, we're giving it the due importance. Let me put it that way, right? And when we give it the due importance, then we will get better. There's no two ways about it, right? And I think everybody in the ecosystem has that responsibility, shared responsibility. I think of doing that more and more. I mean, you 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 kind of like summarize it so well. I mean, humanity is approaching this epochal shift, and deep tech can only propel society to like newer heights and dimensions of solutions. And this field is just emerging, uh, especially in India, and no one really knows where it can really go. And that's the beauty of it. And um, where you and I sit, we have a financial and moral imperative to remove the frictions in the investment chain mitigate the risk and unlock the power of deep tech. And uh, that's kind of like what really makes me excited about how the whole story is playing out, looking at India from a distance. Uh, I wouldn't by any chance say that I I get the space, but I definitely, definitely am excited by it. I'm bullish on it. Um, and I think what you guys are doing is fantastic in terms of the storytelling, in terms of putting money where your mouth is. And that is so important to do it. It's Thank you so talk much. About, uh, very kind. We need more and more people to believe this. You're spreading the word. So you're doing your due and more, right? Uh, no question. Equally excited about 
uh, what we are doing and what many others are doing in the ecosystem yeah. right uh, hopefully we are one participant that is you know uh, you know causing a reasonable good change right and as long as a lot of our portfolio companies keep making the progress we are just a support act right there's no question in our minds that the next 15 20 years this axel this is only going to accelerate right okay. and that snowball effect right i think then finally we won't be able to stop right learning from each other cross pollination of ideas yeah. more bigger ideas bolder ideas more sources of sources of capital all of this i think it's just the tip of the iceberg so super excited thanks for even having me and you know on the show and uh, you know allowing me to share some of the excitement right? hopefully we do more of this i mean i didn't know that you know an hour and a half is just passed and we were just sitting and talking <laughs> about true. just touching the tip of the iceberg right there's so much to like uncover here which i think is the beauty of it because it sets us up for like a different conversation in a different context in maybe just 8 months 10 months a year from now we and- should we should evolution is happening every day huh? uh, and uh, we should touch base and we should look back like you have helped me do today right and realize what has happened uh understand the good and the bad and yeah. take the best learnings and move forward right i think we are in the middle of something very very special right whether there is an economic slowdown or not whether there is a tempering of capital flow or not i think the deep tech juggernaut will keep rolling so let's absolutely do that i would love to do this again let's say in a one in in 10 months to one year's time absolutely and those are like great words to end this episode on uh, special words from a speciality investor So uh, thank you so much for that. It was a pleasure hosting you on the show and we've uncovered so much about deep tech um, in this episode and I'm sure a lot of them looking back and learning about this space for the first time will take some great insights from this. So I really I'm grateful for your time on the show. Thank you so much Akash. This was lovely. Well how about that that brings us to an end of the episode but also very well summarized by Arjun. He's given us a lot to think about. especially within the indian context when it comes to deep tech investing and we're just at the tip of the iceberg especially here within the indian context exploring the space and investing in it i hope each and every one of you enjoyed that episode and most importantly had a lot to take away from it i know i did and arjun was extremely insightful and candid with his knowledge and i want to thank you again arjun for being on the episode and most importantly i'm looking forward to all of the investments that you're making as part of speciality invest and what that really means for the indian ecosystem from a deep tech perspective continue with the good work and i hope we can all support you in one way or the other well if you are like me and you enjoyed this episode and all the others that we've been bringing to you please go ahead and rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app it really helps us get discovered and most importantly you'll be notified about our future releases We've got our very first unicorn founder here on the podcast with us so please make sure that you tune back in again next week to hear who this and most importantly what that person has to share about his or her experience of building companies here in India and most importantly also investing as an angel Thank you again and I'll see you next week here on the podcast until then stay safe everybody and continue to keep hustling